Welcome back to the All Access USL podcast, episode 27. We are about a month and change away from the season starting. It feels, it is closer than ever now, but it feels like it. Now we're finally getting to it. We're getting these preseason schedules out. Um, Clubs are getting ready. Clubs are sort of finalizing their rosters. So the um, season predictions uh, will be coming out soon, probably even in the next episode. Um, if I feel as though um, clubs are finishing up their deals, because there's still a month left and there are still plenty of deals like Phoenix really need to round out their roster with the losses that they've had in the past couple of weeks and especially a couple of days. Just today, they parted ways with two players. So we shall see. Um in the next week, if that's a viable thing to do, if it feels appropriate to predict the season, but I'll let you, I'll keep you guys updated on that. But preseason schedules are coming out, have been coming out, and more clubs will be announcing them soon because February is preseason month, pretty much, and preseason game month. So we get a lot there. We have, like I said, a couple of teams who have re- announced their full schedule, some who've only announced a couple games. So we are well and truly getting there, which is such an exciting point. Um, and I think this season is going to be one of the like a a general prediction I think I can make is that this we will see the most parity between teams that we may have ever seen. Like I think that while some like maybe two or three teams will still be a bit far off the pace of catching up and being farther towards the bottom than all the other, all the rest of the teams, I think there won't be as big a gap as between, say, like even seventh and eighth as we saw last year. I think the gap between like seventh and tenth, seventh and eleventh could be as low as 10, 12 points, something like that. I think it'll be a crazy season. We may still also have a like out and out favorite in each conference who will finish top of the conference by seven or eight points. But I still think it'll be very, very close. And come the playoffs, as we always see, that regular season form doesn't necessarily um, turn over into playoff success. So I think this is going to be a really exciting season, um, parity-wise, and just overall play-wise as a general prediction. And we're seeing a lot of good... Uh, Europeans come over as well, as well as some ambition, actual ambition in teams. Like we saw ambition last year of teams who weren't doing fantastic. Like we saw Indy who had ambition. They brought in Hackshaw. They brought in Sean Lewis. They brought in Juan David Tejada. But now this year they have built that sort of foundation. But this year they've, or this offseason, they've built even more and have built themselves into a top contender. So it's good to see teams, at least in Indy's case, um, not have a great year but immediately have the ambition to become good again and willing to spend and willing to trade their way into being a great team. So I think, at least in Indy's case and in some other teams' cases who fit that bill, um, it is very nice to see that teams who did not have a great year are adding more or just at least hoping to become better in their eyes to have a better 2023 season and i think in general um 
Indy will have a better 2023 season. I think that's almost unspoken purely because of the amount of talent that they have in. They could be playing probably one of the most boring and sluggish um, tactical layouts you've ever seen, and they could still probably squeeze like 7th or 6th with what they have on that team. So we have a couple, or I have a couple transfers I want to talk about, and then um, we are going to go over some of the preseason games that I think will be worth keeping an eye on because they will be fun. And I think while preseason, in some ways, more or less, is definitely a way to sort of determine how a team is going to do, especially tactically how they lay out, if they're even experimenting, like, in preseason with new tactics, or if it's just them playing what they know and getting fit and ready. It can be good to determine how you think it, um, how you think a team will play this year, or it could be a really bad um, option to determine that. But we're going to try and use it the best we can. We got a, a good amount of games there. But there have been some interesting uh, transactions made in the past couple of days. First off, I posted this on the Instagram. Uh, Aiden Quinn, the midfielder, heads to the Indy 11. Just another one of the many um, fantastic options that Indy have in midfield now. I mean, they have a midfield now, realistically, of Juan David Tejada, Cam Lindley, and Aiden Quinn, if they want to use a three-man midfield like that. Now, it is a quite defensive midfield, um, with Cam Lindley there and Tejada being sort of two-way, but Aiden Quinn was fantastic last year for Phoenix. I believe it was like nine goals, seven assists. So while it is quite defensive, you can still have Aiden Quinn getting forward and being that, not really target man center midfielder, but being that like Cam-esque midfielder. Like they sort of had a Nicky Law last year, but, uh, it, well, yeah, last year, but Aiden Quinn will likely be a lot more effective but that was a bit ago, and I posted that on Instagram. So I'm not going to go over too much there. Uh, Steven Hogan as the new switchbacks manager as Brendan Burke heads to uh, Houston to be an assistant coach. And I, th- I think he'll be fine. I mean, they do have a good roster. And he was the assistant and I believe technical director as well there under Brendan Burke. So he's got a good grasp of that system that the switchbacks play. Um, I think this more so will be difficult purely because he has to introduce the system that he didn't necessarily, like he helped coach for sure and definitely took lead um, at a variety of points, but he's going to have to, I guess I, that's not really fair because it is technically like his system, his and Brendan Brooks and the entire coaching staff system, but you know, it's still going to be difficult to try to introduce the system to a whole new front line. I think that's going to be a bit difficult, but I think the switchbacks will still be good this year. They still do have a top Western Conference roster. I've been saying that this whole time. I have no doubts that they'll be good this year. It's just, will they be as good as we saw in 2021 and 2022? I don't know, because Brennenberg is a big loss. And while Stephen Hogan seems like he is a viable replacement, we really uh, don't know until the season starts, but I, I think a bit of drop-off is expected, um, with what we've seen in the past couple months. And then Birmingham 
have re-signed Juan Agudelo. I believe six, seven goals last year. Not too bad, but not too great, not too outstanding. Um, a proven MLS goal scorer could pick it up this year should Birmingham find new ways to utilize him or if he can just pick up the slack himself, uh, finishing-wise. But other than that, he's also a good leader. He's an MLS vet. He's in his early 30s, late 20s, early 30s. He is a fantastic option just as a locker room guy. So completely understand this. I think it would have been foolish not to have re-signed him. So just a couple of three things there. And now some signings that I was not able to get to for the Instagram. Um, the first one that we're going to talk about is Eric Kinzer of the Senators Academy to RGV. Played, I believe, a bit with the Tacoma Defiance 2 when he was within uh, the USL Championship last. He has, I believe, 21 USL Championship appearances. And I believe he is a rotational uh, midfielder and um, like progressive defender. So good option there. We'll see how he grows. Don't know too much on him. Wasn't able to find too much on him. And then the other one is Alex Naji from or joining Loudoun United. Again, not too much I was able to find on him, but seems like a good rotational piece uh, for Loudoun United in midfield. And I think Loudoun United have made some very interesting and uh, just overall solid additions this year. Will they make the playoffs? Almost absolutely not. But I think they will put up a good fight towards maybe that 10th, 11th in the East. And they'll make it interesting. Play spoiler in a couple games, and I think they are golden. So two transfers there that I wasn't able to find too much out on, but we've got three transfers that I think almost purely benefit um, each side. And we'll stay with Atlanta United, and we'll go with Bryce Washington. And I think we're starting to see these center back, these American center backs who are like, I don't know, starting off with these MLS teams, Some in some cases not, but, you know, starting off at a higher level, can't really find at a higher level. They come down to the USL Championship, and then they find their footing in the USL Championship, and then they head back up to um, MLS. And Bryce Washington is, like, the, the latest one I can think of right now is Lawrence Wyke heading to Nashville. And right now we've got Bryce Washington, who seems like he's going to fit that bill because he signed as an Atlanta United homegrown in 2021. And he was very solid um, with Atlanta United 2 um, as he was loaned there for the majority of his time, or for like pretty much the whole time he was at Atlanta United. Um, but with the club moving to MLS Next Pro, and I think it's fair to say that MLS Next Pro is not as um, competitive as the USL Championship. I think it's, and he didn't see, a, I'm guessing he did not see a lane to um, the first team at Atlanta United in MLS Next Pro. I think it's very fair that he has to Atlanta United, which will be a higher level and a higher defensive level for him. Um, and I, he, he's surely going to be an instant starter. And he links up with Alex Naji, um, who signs with him as well. So Bryce Washington, I think, will be a fantastic option for Loudoun United. Um, also, Felix Schroeter from FK Jerve to the Tampa Bay Rowdies. Now, uh, keep in, like, the Tampa Bay Rowdies have a three, have three, like, 
out and out forwards now. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Will they play a two-man up top? Will they play a one-man up top? Because a very, very capable team of playing two-man up top or just the one-man. If it is the one-man, I would expect it to be J.J. Williams. If it is two-man, I would expect it to be J.J. Williams and the recently re-signed Lucky Mkosana. But Felix Schroeder himself, while being a pure center forward, also has the ability to play Cam. And he had six goals and three assists in 15 appearances in 2022 with FK Jerk. So that makes me think it, it is possible Tampa Bay play that two up top with JJ Williams, even though Lucky Mkasana is a bit of a bench option. So maybe even just saying that loud now, uh, JJ, it'll just be a one man with JJ Williams up top and Schroeder behind. But that's still a very dangerous um, attacking outfit. And I think it's a lot better without Nicky Law because Nicky Law was pretty. Um, inconsistent release in the word. He was pretty ineffective with both the Indy 11 and the Tampa Bay Rowdies. So I think it's really, really great that um, the Rowdies were able to get in Schroeder as a better option. And he's still fairly young at 27, about four to five years younger than Nicky Law. So a fantastic replacement there. And then last, in terms of new signings this week that I wasn't able to get to, we have Cave Rod from Sporting Kansas City to Hartford Athletic, and I love this signing. He is a very raw center back talent. He has so much to work on, but I have he has shown so much potential in this time with Sporting Kansas City and Sporting Kansas City too. I believe he played a plenty. He play he's played for Sporting Kansas City in MLS, as far as I know. I believe I believe I have seen him, and he has played with um. Sporting Kansas City 2 in MLSX Pro, and he was pretty solid there, even though Sporting Kansas City 2 were not that great. I don't, he is pretty clearly not going to be a starter, I don't think, especially under a Tab Ramos team. He is, Tab is going to expect so much out of his center backs early on, and I don't think Kaverad is going to fit that bill from the beginning. But I think with the right growth and easily a good coach that they have, he will step in during the season and become a top. USL Championship center back. And I'm so excited to see his development um, as a player, but also how he can help build this Hartford defense for however long he stays there. I, he, he could be a three to four year center back there and completely um, revolutionize this Hartford center back pairing in defense in general. Because him and presumable starter Niall Logue at the back Midway through the season, if Kave Rod grows like I think he could, would be a fantastic sight. I'm very excited to see um, how he is able to progress there. And I think Hartford Athletic was one of the best, if not the best option there. Uh, so, Kave Rod to Hartford Athletic. With that, we are going to take a quick break and then we'll come back to talk about the preseason games that I will be keeping an eye out on. And we are back from that little break so that we can talk about some of the preseason games that I'm be going to be that I am going to be keeping an eye out on. Because I think, like I said, um preseason games can be a somewhat good and somewhat not good reason to not really predict, but to just kind of gain 
I guess, make your own opinion on how you think a team is going to do, which I guess is predicting. Um, one, um, most teams will either be tossing out very, very rotated lineups in the beginning of preseason, um, or if they're playing, like, I know the Pittsburgh Riverhounds will be playing um, Penn State, I believe, and a couple other college teams like the University of Pittsburgh. So they will be throwing out probably a bit of rotated lineups. Also against the stronger teams that they're going to be playing, they'll probably be rotating for the second half just to get as many players playtime as possible. But on top of that, they'll be experimenting with tactics likely. Um, and within that rotation, the you know they might have some first-team players playing with some um, new signings that they haven't played with before and this is their first time playing together or some rotation players that they barely play with. So there's a lot of things to take into consideration. But for those games where they are not exper- tactically experimenting or are putting out a fairly strong lineup, I do think it is fair to kind of gauge how you think they're going to do from that game because they still should be, in theory, trying to win that game, whether it be a friendly or not, especially if it's against an MLS team or a higher team and just trying to show that you have what it takes to beat an MLS team. And we have a couple of those on here that I think will be among the most interesting of the games for sure. So the first one that we have is the Columbus crew versus the Pittsburgh Riverhounds on February 4th. I'm not quite sure where this game is going to be played. It No, I believe this will be played at Columbus or at Columbus's training camp. But I think this will be a very intriguing game, um, purely because the Pittsburgh Riverhounds defense will have to deal with um, Cucho Hernandez and Lucas Zellerayon, likely, which will be a very good test and will set this Riverhounds defense up nicely to be ready for what's, whatever is going to be thrown at them this year. Um, because Hernandez and Zellerayon are, are better than any attacking player in the USL Championship for sure. So that will give the Riverhounds the just ex- the Riverhounds defense exposure to two fantastic players, and we'll set them up nicely, like I said, for um the rest of the season. The crew also like to use wing play a lot, so the Riverhounds fullbacks will be getting a lot of use. And I think while the Riverhounds do have a distinctive style of play, they are a very um, built-up-esque team, but they can also play that occasional long ball. I do think the long they are going to be testing out that long ball ability a lot in this game purely because of an MLS team's ability to shut down those passing routes, especially for a team like a USL Championship team. So I think it is fair to say that the Riverhounds will be moving to the long ball for this game, or they will experiment and try some different tactics to try to get around that. But I would put a lot of bet that they do go for that long ball um, tactic and um, just try to score however they can, which is fine. So I think for this game with what I've seen Pittsburgh lose in the transfer market and, and bring in in the transfer market, like they've lost, recently Jelani Peters to Memphis. Um, I think this will be a probably 3-1 Pittsburgh loss, but I think they'll show 
some promise. Like they are, these teams are not miles away in um, ability. There is a clear gap, but they're not miles apart. So I think the Browns will be able to get a goal. Um, but I think the quality of the Columbus crew will just be too much. And the Riverhounds will fall 3-1. So, Next up, we have the Birmingham Legion versus Huntsville SC on February 11th. And I put this game here not because I think it'll be a good game. Uh, Huntsville, for anyone who is not aware, are Nashville SC's MLS Next Pro affiliate team. Um, and this will be their first year. And they will be in Huntsville, Alabama, I believe. So this is somewhat of a derby-ish between Birmingham and Huntsville. But I also put this here because this will likely just be a game to watch some goals. I mean, Huntsville, these will likely be players who have not played together at all. So I think Hunt Birmingham could easily put six, seven goals um, with the quality that they have on Huntsville. So I think that is a reason to watch this game just to see how much they're able to pile on Huntsville, but also because this in the second half, because I'm sure Birmingham will start their starters in the first half, like teams usually do in a friendly. And then I think in the second half, we'll start to see rotation players come out. And I think that will be more fun to see what these rotation rotation players are able to do against a Huntsville team that is, you know, a couple months old and see if any of those rotational players can make a name to possibly start in the opening couple weeks of the USL championship season. So I, I think it'll be a 6-2 win for the Birmingham Legion. I think the starters will be able to take care of business in that opening half. And I think that there will be some good moments for rotational players, but in the end, um, some of those or Huntsville will be able to score a few in that second half um, and make it 6-2. So 6-2 there. We move on to the Charleston Battery versus Charlotte FC. And I very much, first of all, I love what Charleston do for their preseason. They have played a variety of teams um, in the past couple months. And they always have this Carolina Challenge Cup-esque thing. Like the Columbus Crew have played there. Um, they played there last season. The Columbus Crew did. Uh, Charlotte were there last year, and they play Charlotte here. Um, this year, there's South Georgia Tormenta, the College of Charleston, North Carolina FC, a lot of Carolina, um, and just Southern Coast, Southern slash East Southern Coast-based teams that they invite to the Carolina Challenge Cup. And I'm trying to think who else was there last year as well. I can't remember, but they played a variety of different teams. And I think that exposure is fantastic for the battery. And I think they're always at least a bit better off for it. Last year in this same fixture, because this will be at Patriots point and in that Charleston area, Charleston did beat Charlotte FC. And that is a prime example of why you can't put too much emphasis on these um preseason games to determine how you think the season will go or whatnot. Cause Charleston beat Charlotte one nil in that game. And Charleston went on to have a terrible year and Charlotte were by no means a fantastic MLS team last year as well. And it was their, one of their first games. 
So I think this year the story will be a bit different for both teams. Now that Charlotte have an MLS season under their belt, I think they'll be more ready for this game and have Enzo Copetti up top. But I think Charleston have added so much. I, I think I think Charlotte will win this game 4-2 because Charleston are capable of scoring. But against that Charlotte attack, they are going to concede a good amount of goals. But I think that this obviously this game will not matter in terms of that because I think Charleston will still have a fantastic season. And I think seeing how this Charleston um, attacking fullback play and defensive play and midfield play and all of it will be very fun to watch against a very good Charlotte team. And that's why I've put it here because I think Charleston will still put on a show despite probably losing by two or three goals. It'll still be a fun game to watch um, for sure. So I think I think 4-2, um, Charlotte will take that game but still worth the watch um, for sure. And that game also does not have a set date yet, so we will see when that is. But I, whenever it is, I I think that game, I think this game and the Columbus Crew-Pittsburgh-Riverhounds game are the two games that I will be watching, like I am most anticipating for these preseason games. So next up, we have Austin FC and the El Paso Locomotive on February 4th. Um, I, I'm, this is El Paso's first preseason game and I'm putting it here because I purely do not know what to expect from the El Paso locomotive this year. I just, I just don't. Um, they've lost Dylan Mares. Um, their incomings have been okay, but I'm not too sold on what they are. And I think even against, I want to see an identity here and I want to see hopefully some new signings announced in the next couple of weeks. I mean, they've got about, what, 12 days before this game? So maybe a couple signings. We'll see how El Paso do. But I want to watch this game purely to see what El Paso are going to throw out there and kind of gauge how just El Paso want to play, even though they're probably going to get smoked like 4 or 5-0 against Austin. I think it's still going to be a good game, for me at least, to try and gauge what El Paso want to do this year. And if there's any significant signings before this game, then my prediction could easily change. Maybe they'll lose like 4-1 or 4-2. But I think right now 4 or 5 nil is more so how I think this game will go. Because Austin are a solid, or a very solid MLS team in El Paso. I'm just not, I don't know what to expect. So we'll see how that goes for El Paso. Next up, we have Nashville against Louisville. Um, and I put this game here because Nashville, I feel like, play a lot like, like they still have that USL Championship identity in how they play. A lot of American-based players, and they play very simple and basic stuff, but that they know works. Like Nashville have made the playoffs in every season in MLS because they know how it works. And they're playing Louisville City, who I think could get a one-up on Nashville. Like I think Louisville could win this game 2-1, and that's going to be my prediction because Louisville are that same way in that Louisville are a very on-brand USL team and they play it very effectively, minus the Super American part. They have a lot of good international players that help elevate that. Not that there's any like proof that if you're international, you're automatically better than an American, but they are able to find these great players. They're able to find that mixture of great on both. Like A lot of teams in the USL have a lot of American-based players 
um, because that's just what they want to go for because signing foreigners is more expensive for sure. But Louisville are fortunate enough to have that money to sign the foreigners and they continuously win for it. So I think this will be the closest game in terms of quality. And I think Louisville will be able to take it. Well, in terms of quality between a MLS team and a USL championship team, I should say. Because there are the other two um, games on here are between two uh, USL championship teams. So I think Louisville will take that 2-1. And I think it'll be a very fun game to watch indeed. Next game we have is Monterey Bay versus the Sacramento Republic. Um, I put this here because I think Sacramento will be about as good as last year around that fourth or fifth spot. But I think this will be a true testament to how good Monterey Bay really are. Because even though it's preseason against a California rival, they'll want to put in a shift. And this is probably towards the and middle to end-ish of their preseason. So they'll be trying to find that starting lineup that they want to put out. So I think this will be a good game. Again, Sacramento Republic will be in that same boat mid to end of preseason. They'll be trying to find that starting lineup. But I'm more in this for Monterey Bay with the additions that they've made and how they finished last year. I think this will be an intriguing game. And I think a two-all draw is in store. So two-all draw there. And to finish out, we have FC Tulsa. Versus San Antonio. And I've put this game here. Because it is two sides. Who are on two differing stories. Like San Antonio won. USL Cup last year. Outright were fantastic last year. And are absolutely going to be shooting for it again. And again February 18th. Mid to end-ish of that preseason time. They'll be finding to start. They'll be trying to find that starting eleven. And starting to be putting in performances. But for FC Tulsa, I think they have some underrated like ambitions. Uh, like not underrated, but their trades window has gone a bit under the radar with Moses Dyer um coming in from the Canadian Premier League. Siad Haji uh, coming in. They brought in a lot of youngsters. I think they'll be a very good side this year. And I think they'll be able to put in a good performance in finding that starting eleven for um, the mid to end of preseason. So I think this will be a fun game. I think a 2-1 win for Tulsa. Well, again, you can't take too much from it. I think this will be a bit of a statement in preseason that Tulsa will be a good team this year. So I'm very excited for this one as well. Probably the, my third most excited match behind the Columbus Creek Riverhounds game and the Charleston Battery Charlotte FC game. So with that, that is it for the preseason games. That is it for today's episode. I'm trying to think if there's anything coming up in the next few weeks that are um, like any announcements. Like uh, this Thursday likely is when the next subscriber only um, episode will come out. The first subscriber only episode came out last week on Thursday as well. It was the history of Louisville City FC. So if you want to listen to that, make sure to subscribe. If you want to listen to the episode coming out this Thursday, make sure to subscribe. Um, season predictions likely coming out in a week or two. Also, update, I will not likely be at the Indy 11 or Lexington games this year because I will likely be going to Charleston um, late in the season to see a Charleston Battery game at Patriots Point. That is a big update 
very excited for that opportunity and I'll keep you guys updated on that. Um, I love what I've seen from Patriots Point and Charleston being one of the most historically shrine teams in the league. It'll be just so much fun. So I think that's it in terms of announcements. So thank you guys for listening to today's episode. I will see you guys either if you're a subscriber for Thursday's episode or if not for next Sunday or Monday's episode.